Globalization, what's its significance to disaster recovery and business continuity planning? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with Al Berman, the President of DRI International. Al, it's a pleasure to talk with you again. As with you, Tom. We spoke about a year ago, and we talked about the H1N1 virus. Why don't you give us just a little background on the Institute and on yourself for people that maybe didn't hear that interview? Sure. Um, DRI International was founded in 1988, and its job was to be the focus for business continuity and disaster recovery and a compendium of knowledge um, and seeking out those issues that would most affect people um, 20 years ago. Um, since then, we've grown to an organization that now has certified professionals in over 100 countries. We do training in over 45 countries. Um, we have about 8,000 active members and, and are expanding um, throughout the world and specifically in Asia, as we said. Um, I actually came to DRI about four years ago. Before that, I was um, president of a banking subsidiary. I'm a former CIO. Uh, I was director for PricewaterhouseCoopers Operational Resiliency for Financial Services. I headed Marsh's global practice for business continuity management. And I joined the board about four years ago and became the executive director, uh, probably about six months after that, and subsequently president. Now, Al, it was told to me years ago that when you look at business continuity and disaster recovery, it breaks down into three distinct categories, your natural disasters, your man-made disasters, and pandemic. Do these categories still hold true when you think of, of business continuity and disaster recovery as a global challenge? Well, well, let me give you an insight into it. Business continuity actually is cause-independent. Before I headed PricewaterhouseCoopers practice, I actually worked for a research firm, and by 1995, we found 146 causes of disasters. 1995, um, no dirty bombs, no nuclear backpacks. So business continuity really focuses not on causes, but really on effects. And when we look at effects, we find it in really four different distinct places. Uh, one is we find it in the facility. The facility has been flooded. It's been burnt down to the ground. Um, it's been infected with SARS or H1N1, but you can't use the facility. The second one we see is in the business operation. Um, people can't get to work. Uh, you have supply chain uh, problems, you have infrastructure problems, but those that really affect the business process. The third effect we see is in technology. Uh, the traditional uh, viruses, failures of systems, um, those things that have to deal with communication. And the fourth one looks at the corporation, uh, intellectual property issues, um, succession planning, mergers and acquisition. I mean, it was only a year or so ago that they almost shut down my BlackBerry because of intellectual property issues. So we look at, from a business continuity point of view, really the effects or the impacts of things, and not necessarily the causes, because as we well know, we don't know what the next cause is going to be. Well, that's a good point and a good perspective. When you look at it in that light, Al, what do you see as today's biggest threats to global organizations? I, I think, you know, we go back about 20 years ago when we started and it was all about data centers and then probably 15 years later we got out of data centers and communications and operations 
But I think as we look at a global economy, Tom, I think the biggest thing we are concerned about is supply chain. Um, not only from the traditional business com- you know, problems, but as well in, in this kind of economy. It was Nissan who had to shut down its operations for three days recently simply because its suppliers couldn't come up with the goods. And so they actually had to shut down factories. And as we sit in a, a very tight economy where businesses are not containing big inventories, um, there's bankruptcy, there's credit problems. We actually are looking at this from a business perspective, and supply chain is becoming a bigger issue. We know it from a terrorist perspective. We know it from a natural disaster perspective. But now we're also looking at it from an economic perspective. So how prepared are organizations to respond to supply chain issues as well as other threats to their business continuity? I think it will depend on the business. Um, now, when we look at it, we look at regulations that have been very stringent in the financial sector. Um, and despite the economic problems, we think the financial sector is the most robust um, from a real operational resiliency point of view, from an enterprise resiliency point of view. Auto failover, having operations in diverse parts of the country and parts of the world. Um, we're seeing it, you know, even in, in manufacturing where we're starting to look at more and more suppliers. So I think we are starting to address the broader issue. Uh, if we look at, if we look at the supply chain from order to cash or from lead to cash, we look at each of the components that make up the successful process or service delivery. And, and we are looking harder at it. We're spending more time looking at it. We're trying to make uh, our suppliers more resilient. And as you can tell from a lot of companies and from a lot of regulations, they're now doing extensive testing in their su- with their suppliers when they do business continuity or disaster recovery testing. When you look at all these issues we've talked about, and suppliers is a great one to bring up. You've talked about uh, supply chain. We've seen natural and pandemic disasters in recent times. Where do you see the biggest gaps within organizations to be prepared to continue their operations? Well, I think it runs a total gamut from those who don't believe anything's going to happen um, to those who are really looking at what are their alternatives. And again, you know, in this economy with fewer suppliers because of bankruptcy and credit crunch, um, we're seeing a lot of single, single source and sole source suppliers. I think the issue now is to look for alternative suppliers, to look for alternative supply chains, and being very careful at what regions in the world we're getting those suppliers from. So I think the biggest gaps we're getting now is an analytical gap. Um, and I think, like everything else, uh, we should be able to at least acknowledge what our problems are in the next year or so for most major corporations. Okay, talk to me about that analytical gap. What do organizations have to do to address that in particular? Well, when they start to look at impacts, uh, we recommend that they do an upstream analysis, i.e. upstream being those people who you're dependent upon. So if you look at business from order to cash and each of the components within it, you want to know who's feeding you. Uh, It's very difficult to figure out who you're feeding, but just for example, if you don't get something and you're sitting in a corporation, you always know who to call. So this upstream analysis is really starting to help corporations identify the sources of information or products, who the source is, and how reliable they are. Um, True analytics in that process are starting to look in in three real fields. Um, One from, if you look from a manufacturing point of view, they're looking at the production line to see what the backup is for that production line. Secondly, 
they're looking at the production site itself. So if you look at the production line for a failure in production in the line, you're really going to now look for what happens if the site fails. And third, there is a huge amount being looked at the corporate entity. Um, how sound are they financially? How creditworthy they are? What's the intellectual property issues that they're facing? What the legals they may be facing? Um, what's the possibility that they will be bought out by a competitor? So those are the issues we really start to look at supply chain, and it really does run that whole gamut. Now, let me give you a chance to give a little commercial for DRI International and tell us a bit about what you're doing today that's unique and how you're preparing business continuity professionals. Uh, as you know, we've been certifying uh, professionals for the last 20 years. Recently, we've added two new certifications, and one of them, is, interestingly enough, is supply chain. Uh, about a year ago, we actually created what is known as a certified business continuity vendor. And it came out of the demand from our certified professionals asking which vendors really could they depend on, which vendors had the knowledge and the broad uh, base which they could identify with. And so we created the certification to map our professional certification so that vendors have to go through the same training, they have to pass the same exam, um, and they have to pass the same credentialing process. And this has really done a lot to clarify who's a qualified vendor and who was selling Ginzu knives last week. Um, and it really has helped the community. And the second thing we're doing in, in um, response to what is now the Private Sector Preparedness Act and accreditation of corporations is we've created an audit certification. And that audit certification will be used by companies to one, internally certify themselves to see if they're ready for um, an audit, a first party certification if you would. And secondly, to train those people who will eventually be what are called certifying bodies, those who will, who will certify corporations as to preparedness under the PS Prep program. Al, a final question for you. We're headed toward 2011 right now. Give me, if you can, three steps that organizations can take just starting today to improve their business continuity and disaster recovery preparedness for the next year. Well, I, I think there, there are things that they should be doing. One is, uh, obviously, we favor preparedness. I think the first thing corporations should do is do an honest evaluation of where they sit uh, against standards. Ours and the one most often used is them professional practices that DRI has built over the years and get an honest evaluation of it. Secondly, look at what kind of steps they can to reduce the gaps where they really do feel a vulnerability. And the third one, strangely enough, and we found this from uh, a number of corporations, is to map their insurance to the business continuity plan in terms of business interruption insurance. And when we talk about supply chain, contingent business interruption insurance, that is uh, insuring against the failure in that supply chain. And then look at extra expense and those things that would be associated with the recovery. So I think the idea of identifying the problems trying to figure out where you are, and then looking at a true risk transfer by including insurance would be the three steps I think I would take. Well, it's very well said, and as always, it's a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you so much. Tom, thank you very much. We've been talking about business continuity and disaster recovery. We've been talking with Al Berman, president of DRI International. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.